Hello again, everybody. My name is Mike Petralia. It's episode 224 of Patriots Beat on the CLNS Media Network. Catch us at www.clnsmedia.com. The website is brand new. We have just relaunched it. You definitely need to hit us up at www.clnsmedia.com for the new look of CLNS Media. Follow us on Twitter at CLNS Media and on Facebook at facebook.com slash CLNS Media. It gives me a great deal of pleasure to introduce our guest for episode 224 here on uh, Patriots Beat. It is a former colleague, and no, it's not Chris Price, who I've had on this podcast twice before getting uh, the following gentleman on this podcast. Somebody I've been wanting to get on all summer. He blew me off saying his bosses wouldn't let him come on the program, uh, but finally I had to sweet talk Rob Bradford, and I got the man, Ryan Hannibal of WEEI.com, and he does a tremendous job, he really does, along with all of the young guns on the Patriots beat, along with Kevin Duffy, Mark Daniels, Doug Kide, all of them, but Ryan Hannibal is right there up there with the best on the Patriots beat. Ryan, thanks so much for joining us here on the Patriots beat. What's up, Trags? Glad to be on. It's been a long time coming, but I had to break down some doors to get on this thing. So, you know, you better make it worth it. I tell you, you had to break down some doors. I'm telling you right now, um, I saw Rob Bradford at the, and I saw you, but I saw Rob Bradford at the, um, uh, Fenway Gridiron Series media game, correct. And I'm like, dude, when are you going to let Ryan come on my podcast? Well, why are you holding out on me? He's like, I'm not holding out on you. He's free to come on anytime you want. I'm like, really? Okay. Uh, now, uh, full disclosure here before we get into the X's and O's of the Patriots being 10-2 and two and blah, 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 heading on to another number one seed in the AFC. Ryan, the reason we couldn't get you on earlier is you were establishing your own podcast on weei.com. How is that going, Ryan? It's going good. I mean, as, as you as you know, we're dealing with some uh, big personalities in Kirk Minahan, so you know you never know what you're going to get with Kirk. So some weeks he's in the mood to do it, some weeks he's not, some weeks he blows me off. Some weeks he's good, so you know you never really know what you get with Kirk, but that's what that's what makes him great. And you know, anytime you get Kirk on when he's at his best, he's he's very good. And then obviously, having a former football player with Christian Fourier is always good with his insight. And Rich Keith talked about what it's like to interview Bill Belichick. There's there's a lot of good stuff. So we're, we're off and running. I think we're on episode 14 this week. So you know, we're having a good year. That's good to hear, because when the podcast community is strong, we all benefit, and I mean that sincerely. All right, enough of the uh, rigmarole of uh, inside talk or inside media talk around Boston. These Patriots are 10-2, and two, coming off what was a tumultuous Sunday afternoon win in Buffalo. They breezed to the victory because they just absolutely... Uh, you know, butt slapped their little brother in Buffalo in the second half, 23-3. to But the two big storylines coming out of that game, and I know you were at New Era Field uh, in Buffalo. You were there for the game. You were there post-game uh, covering the Patriots. The two big storylines to come out 
were, of course, Rob Gronkowski and what he did to Tredavious White uh, late in the fourth quarter. Winds up with a one-game suspension. And Tom Brady yelling and screaming at Josh McDaniels, the offensive coordinator. Let's start with Gronk first. Uh, came out late Monday afternoon that Gronk has been uh, dealt a one-game suspension. It'll cost him about $280,000 in game check money, possibly a lot more than that if you throw in a bonus that he may not make uh, this year uh, that the Patriots were providing him part of his contract. What did you think of the one-game suspension? Was it deserved? Yeah, I think it was fair. I mean, I, I think at the time, you know, the, when it happened in real time, I thought it was just a heavy fine. And even right after the game, I still thought heavy fine. But then, you know, seeing the slow-mo replays and just digesting everything that happened, and even, you know, what was said post-game, I think the one-game suspension was deserved. I mean, I think there is people out there that are saying that, you know, it should have been more, and it should have been multiple games. You're dealing with concussions, and I just don't see it. I mean, yeah, he, he was out of line. It was, uh, it was out of character of him. He's a first-time offender. Um, so, yeah, definitely deserving of a one-game suspension. The league does need to step in and say, you know, you can't do this because clearly he did lose his cool. And not only did he, did he lose his cool, but he went at another guy's head and left him with a, a concussion. He's in the con- concussion protocol. So, yeah, I mean, sometimes you see these things happen after plays of frustra- frustration with pushing and shoving and even knocking guys to the ground. But when you delivery go at some guy's head, that's when the league has to step in. And so, no, I, I wasn't surprised that he got the one-game suspension. And like you mentioned, not only is it, does it hurt him a little bit with missing the, the game check from, from this coming Monday, but also that incentives. And he's pretty close to that top tier, and him missing one of these games could impact his, his yardage output as well as touchdown totals, even his all-pro status. So I think there's a lot more to this suspension than just missing one game from a personal standpoint for Gronk. Yeah, so you don't believe that, like Gary Myers tweeted of the New York Daily News, suspend him for four games and he should miss the last part of the regular, all four games of the last part of the regular season to really uh, send the message. You don't believe that, correct? No, That's no, it. not at all. I mean, I, I mean, everyone knows Rob Gronkowski, and that was totally out of character. This, this isn't like, you know, your, uh, your beloved Bengals where they're repeat offenders and, and are, are known okay, for being cheap. Okay, don't <laughs> go toward the Vontaze perfect angle. I know what you're saying, and I had this argument with somebody else um, this afternoon about Vontaze perfect. That's a totally different situation. He does have a reputation as a cheap shot artist and a dirty player, but he has been, I think, unfairly targeted by his own doing, I might, might add, but he has been unfairly targeted. This is kind of the opposite. The, Gronkowski does one uh, thing in seven and a half years, you know, steps out of line, and mind you, it was pretty severe, uh, but one bad incident in seven and a half years, and they come down with a one-game suspension, really what this tells you is that, um, you know, past clean history doesn't matter uh, if you go that far over the line. Yeah, I think it, it's it's come down to the the effect and the the, the concussions and all of the, the that the league has put into these past couple of years about you know concussion awareness and, and wanted to make sure that they take concussions really seriously. And if you let a play like this go, that sort of sets a bad precedent for things in the future. And I think the NFL right now is all about making sure that they have all their bases covered and don't really look bad when things happen in the future. And so when you have a case like this where Gronkowski deliberately injured a guy and injured a guy's head, that's when the league has 
has to step in regardless if it's Rob Gronkowski or, or a, a lesser player or around the league. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry to bring bring uh, the Bengals into it, but you know I had to go there. <laughs> yeah, you did, and I guess I'd be disappointed uh, if you didn't. Um, you know, full disclosure, we're recording this as the Steelers are in Cincinnati taking on the Bengals in what uh, obviously a lot of Patriots fans are very concerned uh, and interested in this game. They're hoping that the Bengals pull off the upset um, and really do the Patriots a favor because if the Bengals could somehow win this game, uh, it really uh, could shape up for the Patriots, believe it or not, uh, clinching the uh, number one overall seed in Pittsburgh in a couple of weeks, but we're getting way, way too far ahead of ourselves. I want to go back to Gronk for a little bit. Uh, Ryan, you were in the locker room. I'm curious if you spoke to any players or if any, or you got a sense from other players uh, about what happened on the field and the chippiness toward the end of the game. Well, I was actually in the Buffalo locker room, and it was interesting to, to talk to them because they were really upset. And all, all the players that we talked to, most, mostly all of them, actually all of them were on, on the defensive side of the ball. And they said that they're going to they're gonna remember this when the two teams meet on Christmas Eve at Gillette Stadium. And, you know, whether or not they're going to take a cheap shot at Gronkowski or, or what they're going to do, but it's on their minds. And so, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, Gronkowski is going across the middle in that game, and one of their safeties comes up and takes a cheap shot at him, or even you know goes for his leg. So I think that that the play really did upset a lot of the Bills players, and it is something that potentially could carry over. So I think the league's going to have to step in and sort of have the referees be on top of things from the get-go in that game, and maybe from a Patriots perspective, sort of maybe dial back on some of Gronkowski's plays because that is going to be the second week, second to last week of the regular season and the playoffs are, you know, going to be on the horizon. So maybe they, you know, limit Gronkowski's plays over the middle just to make sure that, you know, he doesn't take a big hit. But then on the Patriots side, looking at Gronkowski's comment to me, you know, he, he did the right thing by coming out and apologizing right away for what he did and, you know, expressing his, his displeasure with with himself for, for overreacting. But then in that same breath, he sort of went in and, and criticized the officials over the years for how they've treated him. And he's not wrong with what he said, but when you're, you know, trying to show remorse, I don't know if bringing in. It's called optics, Ryan. Like, yeah. It's called yes, optics. The optics don't look really good for Rob there. No, no. That, that, that's my big point is that, you know, sure. He was, you know, sincere with, with his apology, but, when you know you're, you're apologizing to for what happened on the field, it's probably not in his best interest to bring up you know what's happened over the past seven years when it comes to officiating. Because yeah, everyone gets bad calls. Does he get bad calls? Maybe more than anyone else, probably. But in that instance, it, it was probably best to save those comments for you know during the week. Maybe speaking with uh, Patriots columnist and beat writer. For WEEI.com, Ryan Hannibal here on Patriots Beat, episode 224. Listen up, Hoops fans, basketball season is back, and now that your favorite hardwood heroes have returned to action, it's time for you to put your fantasy knowledge to the test and win huge cash prizes every night playing one-day fantasy basketball at DraftKings.com. At DraftKings, there are so many ways to play. Choose from public contests with huge cash prizes or private contests where you can compete against your friends. They've even got beginner and casual contests where you'll play against people of similar skill level. The best part, you get to draft a new team each day. And drafting a team is arguably the best part of fantasy. The only thing better, winning cold hard cash 
doing it. Just ask Dan from St. Louis or Jeremy from Austin. They both turned a $3 entry into a 1000 bucks. Huge cash prizes and bragging rights await only at DraftKings. Use code CLNS at DraftKings.com to play for free with your first deposit for your share of $10,000 in total prizes tonight. Do not wait. Use code CLNS at DraftKings.com now to choose your lineup, and you can seriously cash in tonight. That's code CLNS only at DraftKings.com. The game inside the game. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Again, speaking with Ryan Hannibal, Patriots beat writer for WEEI.com. Ryan, what did you think of the big blow up between Josh McDaniels and Tom Brady? Actually, to be very fair about it, um, it wasn't really a blow up between them. It was Tom Brady losing his crap because um, Josh McDaniels reminded him several times that Rob Gronkowski was open in the first quarter and he missed him. Yeah, I mean, I think that Brady's addressed that a couple of times already. And yeah, it certainly looked bad on TV and, and, you know, on Twitter with the videos and all that. But in the end, I think it's just two competitors and, and, you know, being emotional in the game. I think that Brady probably looked what Josh McDaniels said to him. And quite frankly, Josh McDaniels was probably right. He probably told him that he missed Brandon Cooks and Philip Dorsett on that throw. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that we've seen these things happen a little bit with with Tom Brady over the years and Josh McDaniels, and I think the the thing that stood out most was that they put their things their differences aside right after that play, and they were back together sitting next to each other on the bench going over plays for the next series. So while it looked bad on TV, I don't think it's anything major at all. I think that these things happen behind the scenes more than we think, and it just shows how emotional those two are. But it also speaks to how good their relationship is that they can just move on so quickly and, and just get on to the next play. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the irony I thought, a couple of things I took from that. A, I thought that the Patriots ran the ball with a lot more purpose after that. They've been running the ball really well uh, the last two weeks, 196 yards against the Dolphins, 191 on Sunday against the Bills. But the second thing... Tom Brady did target um, Rob Gronkowski in the second half and really got him more involved. And I thought, you know, whether it's coincidence or by design, I thought those were the two big um, fallouts from, you know, that big eruption by Tom Brady. Yeah, the, the second half was really telling with the way that they used Rob Gronkowski. In the first half, I think he only had two catches for 28 yards. Correct. And then in the second half, especially that first drive, they really went at, went at him a lot. And I think that was one of the things that they saw on tape at halftime was that they could get Gronkowski over the middle on those seam routes, and he was wide open. And I think they went to him three plays on that opening drive to start the second half, which resulted in a touchdown. And after that, really, you know, the game was pretty much in hand. So I think that, you know, Rob Gronkowski's always dominated when he's gone back home to Buffalo. I think he says in, in seven games, he has seven touchdowns, something like that. So I think that was a, a point of emphasis going into the game. And in the first half, they didn't really, you know, go to him as much as they probably should have. And I think that was one of the bigger differences in the second half is they just got Gronkowski more involved and, you know, the Bills just couldn't cover him. I, I'll tell you, an unsung hero 
um, here in the last couple of weeks, maybe three or four weeks on the offense, Dwayne Allen and his run blocking. I think, along with Gronk, who's obviously one of the best run blocking tight ends um, in football, that combination with Dwayne Allen and, and Gronkowski on the field, the Patriots are really exerting their will uh, in the run game. And to me, uh, if the Patriots are going to make that step to the next level that everybody expects them to uh, and get to the Super Bowl, um, I think the run game has to be a big part of it. Oh, absolutely. And I think a lot of that has to do with Deion Lewis's emergency these last eight games. You know, in these last eight games, the win streak, eight-game win streak, Deion Lewis has been the leading rusher in all eight games. And I think that that's one of the, been the biggest key to the, the running game of late is just letting Deion Lewis lo- loose. We saw in the first four games, it was Mike Gilsley who was sort of that lead back. And I think things sort of switched a little bit in Tampa Bay when they saw that Deion Lewis could, you know, get to the next level and, you know, are up for these big, big plays like we saw on Sunday. And so while, you know, Lewis may get, you know, the credit on the stat sheet, like you mentioned, there are guys that are, that are blocking for him that don't get as much credit as they deserve. And Dwayne Allen is certainly one of them. Another guy is Shaq Mason. I think he's yeah. involved into one of the, and one of the best run blocking, you know, offensive linemen in football. And, you know, he, he's doing a great job up front. And I think that Dwayne Allen's um, impact is going to increase a lot in, down the stretch. I think we saw last year how important having, you know, two solid tight ends is going to be. And I think, you know, maybe without Rob Ronkowski this week against the Dolphins, maybe that's a chance for Dwayne Allen to have a breakout game and get even more confidence down the stretch. Because the Patriots have two solid tight ends in Gronkowski and Dwayne Allen. They're pretty hard to beat. So I, I think that Dwayne Allen is, is a good guy to, 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 to you know make note of. And, and Bill Belichick praised him a lot today on the conference calls. So I think that's telling to fans that you know Belichick has you know confidence in Dwayne Allen. So it, it shows that. You know, Dwayne Allen is a solid player and can, you know, play a part down the stretch. Not just because he was a former Bengal, but I love the signing of Rex Burkhead um, from the moment he joined the Patriots. And, and Burkhead has said on many occasions, it's not just because the Patriots have been so successful over the past, you know, 15 years that drew him to New England. It's because he thought he could really fit into what Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick want to do on offense. And I got to tell you, it. So far, through whatever 12 games now, um, it looks like uh, both sides were right. The, the Patriots were right to go after Burkhead, and Burkhead was right to, uh, you know, kind of single out the Patriots as a destination that would fit his style. I've just been really impressed on and off the field with what Burkhead has brought. Yeah, and I'm going to be honest, I, I didn't think he was going to have this big of an impact. I mean, I, I you know saw everything that he said about how he wanted to, you know, play on all four downs with the Patriots. That's why he signed with the Patriots, and I just didn't see that, you know, a fit was going to be there for him, just with all the, the names that the Patriots had returning at the running back position, and I thought that he would almost be a replacement for Brandon Bolden, you know, primarily playing on special teams and not having an impact on offense, and I've been completely wrong. I think they've used Rex Burkhead, you know, a lot. They've used him in the backfield on, you know, short yardage plays, on normal running plays, on first and 10. They've also used him on the goal line. They've also used him as a receiver to, to split out wide and, and get lined up against linebackers. So he, he's proven me wrong, and I think off the field that he's saying all the right things. He he's, goes about his business the right way. He works hard every day. He, he contributes on special teams. He has a lot of different things, and I think when you can do all the things that he does, as well as being a good teammate, I think that's you know a guy that Bill Belichick wants to have around. 
So with him signing a one-year contract last offseason, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see the Patriots re-sign him for a couple more years. And also wouldn't be surprised for me if they signed him during this year to try to get you know uh, a good value for them just to make sure that he stays around. All right, one of the things you do, and you've really made a great name for yourself, Ryan, is keeping track of the release time of Tom Brady. What caused you, when when we were together, you, me, and Chris Price, all together uh, at WEEI.com, I think you started it maybe three years ago, maybe four years ago. What you know spurred you on to, to uh, start tracking Tom Brady's release times? It's just something that sort of stood out to me, you know, his, he's been known to have a quick release and it's just been, you know, worth looking further into from game to game, how that varies from game to game and maybe how that impacts Brady's play and also the Patriots play. And we've seen over the years that the quicker the ball gets out of Brady's hands, usually the better he performs, but it's actually sort of changed a little bit the last couple of years is that he's done a much better job of, you know, holding on to the ball longer and also being successful. And I think maybe some of that has to do this year with the addition of Brandon Cooks, where Brady can hold on to the ball for, you know, three or more seconds, but still be able to complete passes down the field. I think he, his total, you know, completions of 20 or more yards this year might be the most of his, his entire career already to this point. A lot of that has to do with Brandon Cooks. So, you know, with the release times that they were quick when he had Julian Edelman and he would, you know, just have those quick wide receiver screens, quick passes over the middle. But now uh, with Brandon Cooks, these release times have gone up a little bit more just because Brandon Cooks needs more time to get open and it's paying off. So I think that the offense has changed a lot the last couple of years, whereas in the past, the quicker release times met better meant better results for the offense just because he was getting rid of the ball quickly and into Edelman's hands. But now it's in the opposite where he can afford to hold on to the ball a little bit longer to allow Brandon Cooks to get open down the field. You know, and I think all of that being said, I think Tom Brady uh, is, and Chris Price has mentioned this many times, I think Chris, uh, that Tom Brady is his best own um offensive lineman meaning he moves around in the pocket he senses pressure better than any quarterback in football and I you know that's just one of the things that has made him the best quarterback I think of all time uh, is his ability not just to release the ball quickly but know when he has to release the ball quickly that's a big part of that whole equation right yeah, I think he knows, you know, what defensive front he's going up against that particular week. I think that some weeks he knows he's going up against a team that can get after the passer with, you know, very quickly and knows that that particular week he needs to get rid of the ball as fast as he can. While there are other weeks where he may look at the defensive front and say, you know, they don't get, you know, after the passer as as good as some other teams and he can buy buy himself some extra time. I think that was actually part of the the plan yesterday against the Bills, they came into the day with only 17 sacks in the year. So I think Brady knew that he would have the time to make, to sort of, you know, maneuver around the pocket to buy himself an extra second or two and not have to worry about someone else coming in to get the sack just because of the defensive line for the Bills. So that is, it, it's a good point. It was yesterday, it was really, you know, nice to see him move around in the pocket as well as he did because, I mean, he says it all the time that he's moving better now than he did 10 years ago. And, you know, we want to say that it's not true, but it is. He really is moving around a lot better at age 40 than he did at 30. Why do you think the Patriots' defense is so much better right now? Stephon Gilmore, I think that he, he really – I think he's playing with a lot more confidence. He knows the system better. They're using him better. 
And I think that the biggest problem the first four weeks of the season was the big plays that they were allowing. And we haven't really seen that of late. They're, they're really, you know, honing in on, on their communication. And we haven't seen these breakdowns that we were seeing the first couple of weeks. And then with Gilmore specifically, I think they've let him loose just to cover one specific receiver each week. And he talked about how he felt like that's how he's best used. He watches tape of that one receiver all week and knows every single route that he runs. And we saw that pay off against the Dolphins last week when he picked off Matt Moore on a route to Jarvis Landry in the end zone because he knew that's the, the route that Landry ran. So I think the biggest key, if I'm going to single one thing out, it's, it's Stephon Gilmore's play being a lot better than it was the first four weeks. Yeah, no, I, I would totally agree with you. And I thought uh, even though he didn't have a pick yesterday uh, or Sunday in Buffalo, uh, the two plays he made on the one drive in the end zone, the breakup touchdowns, that's as good as you as uh, corner play on an island as you're going to see. Yeah, I think that that was actually the Bills trying to score on Stephon Gilmore. I think they wanted to make a point to try and score against him as he you know played his first five years in the league with the Bills. I think that they were trying to sort of send a message to Gilmore. I think Gilmore sent a message right back by proving himself that he, he can stop you know be, being targeted on three straight plays at the goal line and I think overall in the game he allowed two catches on six targets and broke up two passes and then according to pro football focus he has the second lowest quarterback rating when, when thrown at in the last two weeks in the, in the whole league so that just really speaks to how well Gilmore is playing of late. All right who's going to even come remotely close to challenging the Patriots in the AFC? No one. No one. It's, I mean, obviously, it's the it's the Steelers and the, and the Patriots. I think that that game and Week 15 is probably going to decide who gets home field advantage. And to be honest with you, even if the Patriots lose that game, I could still see them going into Pittsburgh for the AFC title game, being the Steelers. On the flip side, the Steelers, they need to win that game because they would have no shot beating the Patriots in the AFC championship game at Gillette Stadium. But the rest of the AFC, I, I just don't see any team that, that can come close to challenging the Patriots. I mean, the Jaguars, they're a good up-and-coming team, but they're probably a year or two away from, from really doing that. The Titans, they aren't very good. The Chiefs, they're, they're falling apart. So the AFC is having a really down year, and I guess it benefits the Patriots because they have you know, probably arguably their easiest road to a Super Bowl in the past couple of years at least. I'm going to tell you two teams that I would keep an eye on. Yep. The Chargers and the Ravens. Those are two teams that, for whatever reason, for different reasons, give the Patriots trouble. I think Phillip Rivers, um, as we almost saw you know, a couple of weeks ago uh, at Gillette Stadium, he has a way of getting underneath the Patriots. Do you not agree? No, I agree. I think that those are the two teams, like you said, that could give the most you know, trouble to the Patriots just because of the fact that they're not afraid of the Patriots. I think that's one of the biggest things that te- these teams have that come into Gillette Stadium, you know, in a regular season game or the postseason. Is, you know, they almost beat themselves before they even walk it, play the game because they're just so intimidated by the Patriots. And Philip Rivers has that attitude, like I mentioned, that he's not afraid of the Patriots. And I think the Ravens, they sort of have that same team-wide mentality is that they're not afraid of the Patriots either. And I think we've seen that over the last couple of years where, you know, in the playoffs, especially the Ravens have given the Patriots some of their toughest games just because they're not afraid of them. They don't they don't back down. They're not afraid to come into the Gillette Stadium and, and give the Patriots a good fight. So, yeah, I guess if there are two teams that could give them trouble, it's those two teams. But, 
you know, who knows if both those teams even make the playoffs. They're still fighting for, you know, the playoffs, you know, in, in the wild card and in, in the AFC West. So, yeah, I, I guess those teams are probably the two toughest, but in the end, I don't think that the Patriots would ever lose to them, that's for sure. All right, I want to end on a personal note. How did you spend your bye week? Oh, yes, bye week. I went down to, to Disney World and, and got engaged. It was a nice way to spend my bye week, and I was glad that I was able to get away for a couple of days. Yeah, I'm really proud of you, Ryan. Um, I feel like a big brother to you. Uh, we've been through so much um, on the Patriots beat, working for WEEI. Um, I don't even have time right now to get into the whole Oneida story on the New York State Thruway. That we'll save that for another uh, uh, Patriots beat podcast. Uh, but I got to tell you, um, I'm very happy that you are finding time, personal time. Um, and you have your priorities straight. Uh, tell us, without getting into too much knowledge, what about the lucky lady? Well, we've, we've been together a long time. It's been uh, since my senior year of high school, so we're approaching almost ten years now. And wow, it's crazy! It's pretty crazy to think how uh, how long it's been. Um, but you know, yeah, we went through college together. Um, a lot of trips up and down I-84 from Yukon to Sacred Heart. But, yep. you know, we made things work. And, you know, God bless her for putting up with my schedule. So I guess, you know, if she's able to keep up with, you know, being around a guy that's always working covering the Patriots, because as you know, there's never really a day off covering this team. You know, it's, it's worth keeping her around. Yeah, and you're making, like, what, 225000 now a year, right? So you can actually afford to get yeah, married? Yeah, I'm, I'm, appro- I'm approaching Kirk's salary, actually. So Are I'm, you really? I'm way up there. So, yes. so all of yes. the um, bad mouthing that Kirk uh, did to you um, behind the scenes is finally paying off in terms of him trying, him feeling guilty for bad mouthing you and and actually making up for it uh, and putting in a good word with the bosses. That's how it's all worked out, right? Right, Ryan? Yes, like uh, yes. As always, everything comes back to Kirk Minahan. <laughs> well, if you're working at WEEI, uh, that's not a surprise. One other thing I want to ask you, uh, and this is kind of off the beaten track. You are a big golf fan. I know this. Uh, Ooh, what's yes. your handicap? Well, it's, it's not as good as it used to be. I'm, I'm up to a 12. It was down to an 8 last summer, but I guess I've been working too much. So, Tiger Woods, any hope yep. of him getting back to where he was or remotely close to where he was when he was winning championships. Oh, I want to say so, but it's, it's, he's too old right now. I mean, there's a lot of young, young, good golfers that are coming up and it's hard to see, you know, a tiger at the age that he is challenging the Jordan species and the Justin Thomases in, you know, in the majors, I think it would be great for the sport. If we saw, you know, a tiger being contention at the masters, you know, next April, but it's definitely good to see Tiger back and competing well. You know, it's, it's the first step. But I just, I just think Tiger's too old to really, you know, get back to the level that he was before. And, and I, I don't think he has in him to win another major. I just think that he's, he's too old. And the, the younger golfers that are coming up, like the Jordan Spieth and, and the Justin Thomases, just won't let him in the rookie followers, just won't let him, you know, win, win a major. I, I think that, the, that it would be great for golf to see Tiger win another major, but I just don't think he has it in him. Yeah, I think it's going to be tough as well. I just, I don't see it, and I think his day has passed. But I'm a Jack Nicholas fan, so that doesn't really break my heart. Remember, I grew up with the Golden Bear in Cincinnati and Golden Bear at uh, right. Ohio State. So um, if Golden Bear's uh, 18, record of 18 majors, correct, uh, I think that will yes. uh, so I think So I think that you're safe, that that, that, that record is going to be 
gonna is there to stay. Stay with CLNS all day on game day, starting with the CLNS Media New England Patriots pregame show with Alex Barth a half hour before every game. Then you can catch the postgame show with Marvin Ezon and Mike Molino live after every single game on clnsmedia.com. Be sure to check out clnsmedia.com as we have revamped the website and it shines. I promise you that you visit the site. You will not be disappointed. Subscribe to both the New England Patriots pregame show and the New England Patriots postgame show on iTunes and Stitcher and YouTube right now. Also get daily team updates on the Patriots newsfeed podcast with our own Tyler Trudeau. Also available on the CLNS Media New England Patriots postgame show feed. Available again on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, and the CLNS Media mobile app. Thanks again for downloading today's Patriots Beat. want to once again thank our guest, Ryan Hannibal from WEEI.com. Ryan, give everybody the opportunity to, uh, or give everybody the 411 on how they can follow you on social media and online. Uh, on Twitter, at Ryan Hannibal, as it sounds, and then uh, just the WEI.com slash Patriots. Find all, all this stuff there, updated daily, all the news and stuff about the Patriots, columns, blogs, all that good stuff. Tom Brady interviews, Bill Belichick interviews, everything you need to know about the Patriots, WEI.com. And everything you ever wanted to know about Tom Brady, release times. You can also give us a follow at Patriots underscore beat and at CLNS Media. Of course, give my own personal account a follow at Trags, T-R-A-G-S. Today's sponsor, DraftKings. For Patriots content manager Mike Alonghi, CLNS media executive producer Larry H. Russell, and the founder of the network, Nick Gelso, thanks to everyone who tuned in. This is Mike Petralia, and this is the Patriots Beat Podcast, powered by CLNS Media. What's going on, Pass Nation? This is Marvin Zone of the CLNS Media Network, and I'm here to tell you right now to check out the CLNS Media New England Patriots postgame show hosted by myself and my co-host, Mr. Mike Nice. And live on CLNS Radio immediately after every single pass game, calling at 929-477-2386 toll-free to get your voice heard and contribute to the host breakdown and analysis of the latest Patriots contest. We also got the stars and sorries of the day, Twitter posts for the plays of the game, and everything else that is going on with the five-time Super Bowl champion. Subscribe to CLNS Media New England Patriots postgame show on iTunes and Stitcher, and the best way, download the free CLNS Media Network mobile app for on-demand listening anytime, anyplace, anywhere.